0: you very much thank you very much you're going to need to remain standing for the entire time I'm preaching it's just a thing we do in England no I'm joking you can see it thanks but I'd love the worship team to stay is that right and I'm going to oh, I think we should maybe just worship um a little bit and then we'll talk a little bit don't want to talk too long still have the Australian accent nothing I can do and uh That God's presence is here, and that's the exciting thing. Very, very nice to meet you. How many have I ever met before? Met a few of you before, so yeah. Lovely to have uh, these childhood friends. Isn't that an amazing thing? We're very, very blessed. Chris and I go way back. I could tell you a lot of stories, but those gentlemen there, Nick, Don, Simon, for a small fee, and it is a small fee. They will bring dirt onto Chris Brown's life in a way that you wouldn't believe. They, they really will. I'll just tell you one story. Will I tell you one story? Because I was really the instigator. I was I was a pyromaniac. I uh, loved fires. Simon still has a scar on his face from the time I lit something with petrol and it. it was a bit too excited, so I kicked it and went up in his face. That was that was childhood growing up in Forestville. So. <laughs> And, uh, and I was, you know, it was a regular, I don't know, was it a weekend? I went down to the local park in the corner, you know, like uh, 500 yards away. Chris lived on the other side of that park and I lived on this side. And oh, I forget what day it was, but what better to do than start a fire? So I was in a little local park and got a few she-oak, you know, they, they burn really well. And uh, got it going very nicely until some, some chappy, some like really, we're probably like, what, 15, 14, something like that. And, uh, and and some adult, you know, well-intentioned, well, you know, good behavior type, just the type we didn't relate to, you know, came down. What are you doing? You're burning. It's a fire here. Blah blah blah. Found out he was he was a policeman. How convenient. And his house backed onto just where we were lighting the fire. So <laughs> we were in big trouble. This was a man who later became famous as the smiling cop in Little. Yeah. So we didn't find him too smiley, but you know, maybe he changed. And so, so we were like terrified, and uh, and so we so we had to put the fire out. And then he said, "So, uh, so what are your names? What are your names?" And he asked Chris first, and I was sure it was Chris, but he came up with somebody, Sean Mulligan, somebody we went to school with, somebody, and. Uh, And he thought that was a good move, and I was just too nervous and uh, brought up in the Dutch regime. I I was, you know, I couldn't. So I just said what my name was. And Chris said to me this morning, he said, yeah, I remember when you said that, and I thought I should have done that. (laughs) And uh, unbeknownst to us, Inspector Little decided to walk us both home. So I went home first, you know, totally embarrassed in front of my parents, and then Sean went home to his house. Knocked on the door. <laughs> and there's Cole, his dad. And, uh, and, you know, the ensuing conversation was quite interesting. But thankfully, Cole could see that this was not really that smiling a cop. So anyway, he was, he was good. It was one of our childhood adventures, lots of fun. But we go back away. And I'm, I feel very, uh, very privileged to be here. So thank you very much for having me. And uh, as he said, yeah, I've been saved for just over 40 years that's a while and uh, in ministry I suppose for full like full time ministry nearly 30 and uh, and uh, but I'm younger than ever I'm smarter than ever I'm not boring and I'm just warming up because there's a lot to do and I've discovered that you I reckon I've learned more since I was 50 which is very very recent uh, than before then. And uh, we'll just have a little look at the scripture and share a couple of simple thoughts of things that God has been speaking to me about. But let's stand together, shall we? Could we do that and just lift our hands toward God? Where's Luke? Is he hiding out the back? Come out here, mate. You're part of the team and Bethany. and Let all the worship and music team come out here. Everybody that's involved in that. Singers, worshippers. Come on, Luke. And yes, your wife, whose name escapes me temporarily, Shelley. Thank you. And uh, come on, we just, I uh, just, let's just lift our hands to God. Just lead us in some kind of worship for a minute or two. Because uh, God's presence is the number one thing you want, really. And uh, Moses was a guy that walked, walked with God for a long time. But when it came to uh, going into the promised land or going forward into the things of God, leading his the people in Egypt as it was then, or out of Egypt and into what was the very long cycle out in the desert. But he said, God, if uh, if your presence isn't with me, I'm not going. And we have to be careful that the presence of God doesn't become like the newest hip phrase, like maybe worship and prophetic was 10 years ago or apostolic, but that every time we meet together, we actually, our hearts actually feel and sense a connection with a person called Holy Spirit. Because He's He's the one that knows you. He's the one that made you. And whether you're sitting here with, with uh, you've never known God before in your life or you did once and you don't now or you it's never made sense to you or you've loved Him for a while or you've loved Him for a long time, it, it really doesn't matter. He knows everything about who you are and He loves every inch of you. He just loves every inch of you. He thinks you're magnificent. There's nothing in God's mind, thought, heart that is in any way negative towards you. He's not angry at your sin. He's not disappointed that you did this, that or the other. He just wants to lift your life. He wants you to see how good He is and how beautiful you are. And the person that does that is this Holy Spirit person. So I just want you to you know, lift your hands in, in whatever way you're comfortable. Close your eyes if that helps you. And just let this presence of God touch your heart, touch your mind, touch your life, maybe heal your body, maybe strengthen your thinking, maybe bring thoughts back that you haven't thought for a long time. When you're a young person and you have these thoughts about how life might be and and and, and it's kind of not like that. You've almost forgotten. You've got into a rut now. It's like, well, I've, I've got to do this. I'm obligated. This is what's happened. These circumstances weren't what I expected. That That is what it is. But from today, God can come in. Holy Spirit can come in and just lift your heart and just make you see things you haven't seen for a long, long time, Father, we bless you. Just take a minute or two and worship Him and thank Him. Open your heart the best you know how. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah. just want to, I feel like I've got something in my heart for you guys, partly just for you and partly because what I I see God doing all around the world, which is that this kind of worship, this Spirit-filled, Spirit-led worship is, is really central to what God is doing and it's going to increase, God's in the process of changing His church, it's going to look different in the years ahead and this will be a big part of what it looks like people are going to gather together in services and maybe, you know, the the idea of, oh, we do 20 minutes worship, God's just going to mess with that a little bit and and we might be worshipping for 30 or or 40 minutes and it's not because we designed it, it's because we just got, the power of God was there, the Spirit of God was there and, and we couldn't do anything else. We knew it would be wrong to not keep going and I see the Holy Spirit making changes to His church but I just, I feel such the The blessing of God, the grace of God on the worship here. You know, and I know Chris and Ruth quite well. So I'm figuring that most of that doesn't come from them. Amen. It was just a little joke, I slipped in the middle there. (laughs) But no, seriously, God is, uh, there's just great grace on the worship here. Miracles will happen in this worship. Hearts will get changed. God's gonna do more. God's almost going to do more when we're not talking, you know, than we are talking. Chris and I and many of us, we grew up in this, you know, preaching is enormously important. It's what I'm called to do. But sometimes we've got more excited about the worship than, the, than than God or we've got more excited about the preaching than God. And you're supposed to get most excited about the presence of God. So whether you're worshipping, whether you're preaching, whatever you're doing, it's, it's when, when God touches people. And I, I really see a sweeping move of God coming to Australia and coming to this church. You know, when God moves, some, some churches roll with it and some don't. But I just feel like these hearts of you guys as worshippers is really beautiful to God and so well positioned. And you don't realise how much impact you're having. And I just want to say to Luke, because Luke's in the background there, you know, I keep seeing him out in the background. And I just feel like, you know, you might be, and and you're not super wanting to be in the front ground anyway, but I just see your faithfulness in there. And I see that God, there is in no sense where God would seize others. You probably don't deal with this, but no sense in which others are more important than you in this family. And that there's actually a, there, there is a, there's a grace on your life and there's a beautiful serving heart in your life. And God's going to use that. And you're going to surprise people in the years to come. I keep thinking of Joel Osteen's story. I don't know if you know that story, but he was the technical guy for his father for years. Video, TV, all that. He did all that. He never preached, never in anything. And when John, his father passed away, they took nine months to pray, to figure out who on earth is going to take this church. But the one guy that it wasn't going to be was Joel, because he was the guy out the back. And eventually, God, not that I'm thinking of you. You know, you don't want that really. But but I just see I just see the pleasure of God. I see there's nothing. You, you may not be seen a lot in a public space, but you're seen by God. And He's got a path for you. And it's a really important path. And, uh, and a lot of people are going to turn around and thank God for you in the years to come. So bless you, man. Praise God. Oh, the presence of God is lovely. I, I think I should let you sit, shouldn't I? And try and get get a couple of words out to you and praise God. Praise God. So yeah, I've, I've, I've yeah, you, yeah, you guys. do you normally stay or not? Yeah, you stay. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, right. You go. If you just stay, that'll be. Fun. You're pretty good. Do you want to stay too? Yeah, what are we? You can go, and you can definitely go. Yeah. Thanks, guys. What a cool bunch of guys. Yeah. I just see it changing. I mean, I've, I've been preaching. God, I must have preached tens of thousands of messages. I love preaching, but I love God more, and He's changing things. You know. And all I want to do in the, the, the time I've got here is to to maybe touch on two or three things that I, I see God doing. And I guess I come, I come from, a, you know, Australian roots, but I've been in England for 20 years and that's different. They're less Christian than we are here as a nation. I remember thinking that would be a Christian nation. It sure ain't. Uh, and, uh, but it's beautiful. You know, the people are beautiful. And... Uh, even when they win, win at rugby, I managed to find love in my heart for them. And uh, my wa- lovely wife is Welsh. Could you stand up, darling? We don't really have... You can chat to her later. she come and say hello real quick. Come and say hello real quick. Morning, Church. <laughs> it's, it's a real privilege to be. It's my third time in Australia. I, I just love this country I think it's an awesome nation and I just see what you said it's like an open heaven here over you and I just, it's just amazing just to be outside worshiping you know we don't do that in the UK it's always raining and things but you know, it's just a real blessing to be here and we're just so thankful that you've asked Paul to speak and um, just enjoy it and just be aware of his presence and just carry on loving Jesus anyway thank you you're awesome thank you She's from Wales. Where's our New Zealand friend? Well, ex-New Zealand. There she is, see? So right now, you'd know that the number two rugby side in the world is Wales. You'd know that, wouldn't you? No, no one's ever going to take number one from New Zealand. I'm so I'm an Australian, but they're just permanently there. However, I like Wales's chances in this upcoming World Cup, I've got to say. So if we do win, you need to send me that Australian jacket if it fits. You know what I'm saying? But you have to get the pastor's permission for that one. Because, uh, yeah, that was beautiful. Anyway, moving on to more. So, you know, I come from a different, I, I'm, I'm a, a missional type person. I'm more apostolic probably by nature than pastoral, which means that sometimes I'll say things that ruffle people a little bit. And uh, But I love to be in this kind of circumstance. And I guess, you know, having done this for whatever it is, 30 years, I feel like... Uh, you start to get to know what you're here for. Does that make sense to anybody? I'm going to read you a little passage. Share a couple of thoughts. We'll really be five, ten minutes. That's it. And, uh, and uh, but I'm going to read you this little passage that I love out of Colossians. And here's Paul. So my belief is this, you know, that, that the way the church ought to look ought to be what's in here. And it doesn't take a whole lot of intellect to realise that a lot of what goes on in the church world in general is is, mm, fairly removed from some of what is promoted here and the way it's described. And so my conviction without any shadow of a doubt, we'll get to heaven. For those of you that have received the nature of God, that'll be a great day. But in heaven, you'll find that this word will be just as esteemed there as it is here. And sometimes God will say to you, and Jesus might appear to you in a vision and he'll say, haven't you, didn't you read where I said? Or didn't you read where it said? Like this is, this is, I don't like the idea of instruction book because I think that's, that it errs on the whole academic side. And Christianity is really not an academic thing. It's a hard thing. You, you receive God, you feel something. And uh, that's another thing God is kind of working on. But let me anyway, read you this little passage out of Colossians here. Paul writes here, let's see how much of this we can get. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. I would say lots of us don't really get what he's saying. And the vast majority of ministers and leaders that I've met over the years don't get it either. But he's on to something that's important. I'll keep reading. I have become its servant, the church's servant, by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but it's now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles The glorious riches of the mystery. Now a few people are clicking. Ah, I know this bit. The glorious riches of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Everyone say glory. Glory Glory is, is, is substance. Glory is golden, yellow coloured stuff. Glory sits on people's lives. You've got one set of eyes that you can see me with and the natural world and then you've got another set of eyes which we would like God to open more and more for all of us and you would see in glory on me and glory on you and you'd find that you've got an angel that's with you all the time, has been since you were born. Some of you have given that angel a little more of a workout than you should have but there it is. And that whole world, that whole world constantly exists. People that have met angels, you know, I could... I, I, I could go into lots of different stories. You know, I used to run a Bible college here. So, so you know, I can go for a long time, but I won't. But uh, lots of people that have met angels walk into that world. They discovered that angels are far keener to help us than we are interested in getting them to help us. We're just almost blind to the whole, that whole world. And that's something God is changing. Because Christ in you is the hope, the expectation of the glory of God. And Jesus said once, He said it this way. He said, the same glory, Father, that you've given me, I've got on you. I give to them. So you're covered in glory. You just often don't think it. And then you go into kind of Romans 12 too, and you're changed by the renewing of your mind. One of my concerns, one of the things that makes my, my heart beat the most is when I look at God's people, all around the world, and and, and and I think for many of them, if we were honest, our experiential lives are not all that different from what they were before we were Christian. And that should concern us, not in a guilt trip way, but in a God show us, because we, we're completely transformed we become new creations one version says new species of being in the greek it's like this is a race that has never been before and and you have access to god's power and god's presence and god's glory in a way that we don't understand yet but may god open our eyes to see it cuz we you know we got a nation here we got a i mean how many people are on the central coast Three hundred and fifty thousand. Is that right? Close enough. And where I live in my immediate area wouldn't be that. Be like fifty thousand, maybe a hundred thousand. But every day I get up, I walk down the street, or I go to the uh, go to the cafe or whatever. I look at people, and I think, you know, every one of these people God loves, every one of these people God want, has died for. Forget the big, forget the guilt trip, sin issue. You're, Jesus never died because you were a sinner. Jesus died because he loved you. It's a big difference. See, if you just keep thinking Jesus died because you were a sinner, which is a very typical evangelical kind of, and doctrinally I've got no problem with that, but the emphasis is all wrong. It's a complete misrepresentation of God's heart. Like as if if God's looking at you and He's noticing the sin. Give me a break. He dealt with the sin 2,000 years ago. He loves people. Love doesn't mean you're blind to sin. Love means that's not not what I'm looking at. I'm looking at all this potential. I'm seeing all this greatness in this. And that's what I do. And, And that's really, you know, if I were to say... I said when I started this that I'd say a couple of things about the church. I think worship will change. I think that the emphasis, and I think Chris, you know, I can say this because I know Chris and Ruth would be very much on the same page. But the idea, the concept that many Christians still have, that let's just get our church to grow. Can we just get the church to grow? Can we please move past that? There was a season, started in the 80s. I was in the middle of it. Church growth movement, yong cho Forefront of it, lots of guys. I was a young man for Chris and I both with Phil Pringle when there was only a few hundred people there in the church, and it was very exciting, and God was moving. There's no I've got nothing but respect for all those wonderful things that has happened in my life as a result of those people and those ministries. But God keeps moving and he emphasizes certain things at certain times, and he's not emphasizing that, if you hadn't noticed. It's already shifting. You know, that's like that. And then before that, there was the word of faith thing and we've still got some dear and beautiful brothers and there's roots in me that are good. But if you're still talking like that, that's God's moved on. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It means it's very hard to stay on the front edge of what God is doing and relate to the people that we're supposed to reach. You see, if we're not in the world to love people and to connect them to God, then honestly, you might as well go home. You know, because it's because there's no cancer there. The movies are better there for the movie buffs. The grass is better there. You don't mow it. And a lot of us have been, have been slow cooked to think that what really matters is in this life is, well, I've just got to be in a good church, which is, is very important. And I've got to make sure my kids get into a good school. You know, and then I've got to get my career on the right route, and I've got to go that way. And then, and then amongst those people, you know, you'll get a, 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 a smaller percentage that'll that'll be like Eleanor was talking about this morning. They're like the tithes and offerings, and they're giving. But actually, I think what God's looking for is just completely sold-out lives. Because when you get to heaven, you see at the end of this. Like I, I built, bought a house when I was here, by the grace of God and with the help of my, my family at the time and I think buying is better than renting and I get all that and that, that all makes sense but at the end of the day when you stand before God if there are even 10 people that are there because you love them and you told them about Jesus and you, bought, you won't care whether you owned or rent you won't even remember are you with me? We've got, to, we've got to, because really what happens is we, we believe in Jesus and we love Him. And I'm not taking that away. I'm just saying, I didn't even finish my passage, where Paul just talks about maturing. He wants the saints to mature. And that's the other thing, you know, maturing and maturing in love for people. See, a lot of us, we love our families. We love our parents. We've got to do the right thing. We love our friends. A lot of us don't love unlovely people very well but actually that's the complete hallmark of the gospel that's 1 Corinthians 13 love is very patient very kind that's agape which is there's four Greek words for love you probably know all that and uh, but the one that's most common is agape and that's completely selfish selfless. <laughs> that's selfish kind of love ah. selfless love which means it's not looking to get anything back I'm just going to love you. So if I run into a guy, like I did the other day, I didn't run into him, I'm in my car. And, uh, and, and he gently, it was a, a very gentle tap between cars. And once upon a time, you know, and I thought, oh, what's he done? But actually, I think that I was on what I thought was flat ground and I rolled back very gently. But it was like, you could barely feel it. And, uh, and he's waving at me and this and I'm thinking... Why would he do that? You know, I mean, he bumped me. What's the deal? But so I kind of pulled over and wondered, oh, he's angry, man. And the Brits are good at getting angry. Bless their hearts. The Australians are also very polite, you know, forgive him. And, and he's going off the handle and all that kind of stuff and using extremely colourful language. I mean, right. oh. and I just sat there, you know, and I thought, well, once upon a time, Christian knew me. I oh, would have, oh, yeah, yeah, right, hang on a minute. And I'd get out and I'm about six foot one and I'd try and push my chest out and fella. Which is what he was looking for. But it's not really him, it's the spirit that's driving him. That's what's just lost, that's what happens to lost people, you know. There's We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. You know, if you're in a marriage, it's moved target again now, but if you're in a marriage, you know and you feel like the problem is the other person, mostly it's not. Mostly you're wrestling with, with demons that try and make you think that that's the problem. It's not the problem. But that's a whole series in Bible college Chris and Ruth will take you through. But you know, this guy, he's yelling at me and I just looked at him and I and, I, and I said, mate, I said, you're right, I'm really sorry. And he kind of looked at me and said, like, twitching, you know. <laughs> And because what 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 can you do? And I've just found, I've been through some. Here's the thing that maybe I'll leave you with. You know, I've been in England for 20 years, and it and it it looks very little, my situation looks very little like what I thought it would. And I expected to be leading a massive church. Because we were in that mindset, you know. But God's changing. I expected certain people to be, you know, we had a building fund like this and we went through some very difficult times and the people that were closest to me, they were like the elders of the church, there were three of them. They all left. They all wrote very nasty things about me and I thought, well, I wasn't perfect. I can own up to that, but I didn't really think I deserved that. And we had a building fund which was about a quarter of a million pounds. It's nearly half a million. And they all got together and decided we will take this money back. So they wrote letters and I had minister friends that had walked with me through this particular season we were in and he wrote a letter to this mate saying clear you know like if you gift and and uh, and so you know 80 90% of it was all gone and because we gave it back because they were they wanted to go to court if we weren't going to give it back and then you don't want to you know it's like what are you going to do the world's going to look at this you know so and that was and then I went through another really bad crash in about 2011 and I really thought I wouldn't make it I phoned Chris there's only a handful of people in the world that that I know well enough and that love me and he you know in some measure I probably owe my life and ministry to Chris and a couple of other guys that you know I, I I was struggling with mental health and depression and I really never thought I'd make it I really never thought and that was not me and I was I was envisioning Carrie was with me. I'm envisaging myself in a in one of those homes with a beard, you know, bedraggled, dribbling into my beard, and I couldn't I couldn't see any other possible future. And that was very difficult. And but something happened in my heart. And I I would I would never go back. Because I, I learned to love people. In a way, I and if you'd asked me before, and I was nearly 50, I would've said, yeah, I love people. But now I look back and I think, you know, I didn't really. Really when you love people, there's something about your life you think that all you can see is the treasure in them, you know? It's easy to hate people. I just need to mention a few names like Donald Trump, you know? Some of these guys, Muslim guys that are, that, that are at the end, the ISIS thing that's just exploded. The people that cut in you, on you when you're surfing or swear at you over the fence or yell at you. And it's so easy to get wound up. It's so easy to, to put a little line there and say, well, I'm not gonna like you. That, love doesn't do that. I'm convinced personally that most of us have not learned very well how to love. And I never would have, and I'm not there yet—not by a long way. But when I was 50 years old, to go through that thing, that helped me. And then you've got to keep you got to keep learning to love, you've got to keep growing, you've got to keep changing. Because at the end of the day, you could have—you can prophesy and know have all revelation. And I believe in this building. I, you know, I love these guys. I, I just so admire what they've done and the the spirit that they have maintained in a world that doesn't often have that same spirit, where Jesus is is first place here and we've got to do practical things like pay bills. But I know that Chris was very deliberate, for instance, in in certain ways that he presented things because of his integrity. He didn't ask me to say that, but he'll be paying me for it later. (laughs) But you know, the world is crying out for love. They've seen it all. You know, I believe in big churches, I've I've got no problem, big, small, doesn't matter to me. The vast majority of the world goes to a church that's well under a hundred people. Did you know that? We just don't see it in 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 the most, and most of my friends in England, mostly are pastoring churches that size. And 20 years ago, I would have thought I'm here to bring this great, huge church thing. And now I think I'm not really even sure that that helps people as much as, say, 10 churches of 150 where I can raise up 10 leaders and help them and where people that have got a grace on them for worship can do their thing instead of being on a rotor every six weeks because there are too many views hosts. You know what I mean? Not saying one is right and one is wrong. Not, not saying that. I'm just saying a lot of us have had that mindset that that's the goal. That's not the goal. I like what Bill Johnson said once. He said, What's great about a church? He said, It's not its seating capacity, it's its sending capacity. And God will weigh things up very differently from how we do. And you can be a good corporate leader, a smart organiser, and you can do that at Woolies or Coles. But to bring the presence of God, that's a whole different deal. And to love people, you can't do that unless the Holy Spirit has touched your heart. And that's the, that's the greatest thing that's happened to me. So I'm going to pray for you. We're going to end. Dr. Brown will come up, no doubt, and close off. But can you, can you just close your eyes and open your heart? Father, my prayer is really simple. I'm just so thankful that you've loved me and that I'm finally starting to see some of how deep that love is. And I pray that Your hand of love would descend on every person here, Holy Spirit. That You'd reach in and touch the places that are really hurt, broken, angry. We've all got them. And Lord, You would there would come a conviction in our hearts that no matter what we've been through, Your love for us is so much bigger and that we would from today begin to experience that love that something would change in our hearts today and we'd begin to open and healing and restoration and peace and hope and clear thinking and joy and passion and life and love and liberty would flow through every single person that's in this building today. I want to thank you. I believe you're doing it. I'm so thankful. And we give you the praise today. Because without you, we couldn't do this. But with you, we can do anything. Thank you so much, Lord God. Thank you so much.